Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. Happy Monday. Wow. A Monday that was a race day, as a matter of fact, and uh, so much going on, Rich, that we really don't have a Motor City Minute for tonight, which is fine because we got a lot going on tonight, so welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France uh, joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Happy Snowflake 100 Day. Yeah, that's that's a new one, did it? I saw that coming last <laughs> Thursday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and uh, so uh, let's start there. At the time of this recording, the uh, Snowflake 100 at Five Flags Speedway just wrapping up, Rich, and uh, you were able, I think, to catch most of that race today. Tell us what happened. Yeah, I caught, I caught every bit of it, actually, just because everything worked out. So, um, no, Hunter Robbins was fast qualifier, and he started on the pole with Mike Hopkins, and they, they basically ran 1-2. Uh, the entire race. I mean, the action was from the back. To be honest with you, um, they had a few. They had a few cautions. I think they had a few cautions early, but they had a long green flag run right in the middle that really separated everything. And the show really was Stephen Nassi. Uh, Nassi had a, and we've talked to him before. Uh, Self-admittedly, a horrendous qualifier. He will always tell you that, and he stuck to that for the Snowflake 100. Qualified 28. <laughs> out of 30 cars to lock in wow um all the rest all, the last 17 had to go to the last chance qualifier uh so qualified started 28th uh brought that 51 machine home third uh wow. after 100 laps at five flag speedway so steven nassi really put on the show of the night yeah down at five flags tonight uh i do want to say congratulations to chase berta uh he had to he missed it on qualifying rich just plain and simple uh, they missed it on qualifying. He had to race his way in, which is no small feat down there at Five Flags. No, it's not. And, you know, they something had to go right because nothing had gone right for them the whole time uh, down there. Things did not go well in the super late model. But, uh, you know, they. I, I think I think Chase and, and, and Rob thought that they were going to qualify a little bit better. But, uh, you know, when you – those are the best pro late model drivers in the country. And when it's time to qualify, you better have your stuff together. And they were just a little off, but, uh, he bounced back, won the last chance qualifier, uh, and locked himself into the, into the show, but he had to start 31st. He had worked his way up to 24th or 23rd, 
So he was doing a nice job, just being patient uh, about halfway through. And then they have what Daytona calls the big one off of turn number two. Yeah. And uh, he got caught up in that a little bit. You know, uh, in all, when they finally cross the finish line, though, Rich, they're going to get credit for a not-so-terrible day, P-16 after everything, after starting 35th on the field. So I think for a first-timer at Five Flag Speedway, they got something to hang their hat on today. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, you know, and we've been down there, Zach. You have to know that racetrack. Look at Carson Hosevar. He's, you know, he didn't have any luck this weekend either, didn't make the show. And, you know, he is not been consistent more, more times than not they have not been good down there sure. at five flags so um i think that's a unique track all of its own and you and it's very line sensitive i believe um it's not that you need all this power or it's any harder to get the car handling but there's a line that you could you run around five flag speedway that's just the fastest and it's faster than any other line and if you're a foot out of it uh it's a tenth or two. Yeah. It's that much. For sure. And, and I think it makes a big deal, big difference down there. So that was Friday's wash away that got made up today. Saturday was, or excuse me, Sunday uh, was the big day for racing at Five Flag Speedway, Rich. Um, the Snowball Derby, 56th running of the Snowball Derby. And we talked last week who would be the driver to beat. And when you have 60 cars in the pre-entry list, it's really tough to pick that. And uh, I'm not going to get to the end result yet, Rich, because I want to talk about the meat and potatoes of this race. Um, I don't think we ever really knew who was going to win this race until the checkered flag basically fell because it took so long to get everything settled out. Yeah, it, it, it kind of went in phases, didn't it, Zach? I mean, it started out, Derek Thorne looked like, well, Derek Thorne yeah. right at the beginning, yeah. right? It looked like this is going to be another 300 laps of follow the leader, follow, <laughs> follow Derek Thorne around the racetrack, right? And then see who dumps him or if he doesn't get dumped at the end. That's the flavor that it had at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Well, that seven cars started going away, and it went away quick. And when they did get the competition caution to go down pit road, they couldn't make it fast again. That car never got back up front uh, to compete, which is not like that race team. Um and they had a couple competition cautions and other stops down there, and they couldn't do anything with that race car to get it back to the front. That was probably the most surprising to me of the whole day. Well, that that was the most surprising thing that happened? Yeah, you're probably right, because what ended up being uh, the precursor to the end of the race, probably nobody that followed super late model racing for the past five years was surprised at the outcome that happened in turns one and two in the closing stages of that event. No, that was not surprising at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ty Majeski was up there battling with Steven Nassi. Uh, the, there were eight laps in a row that Ty Majeski and Steven Nassi were battling for the lead on a restart door to door. They didn't get away from each other. Wow. Nassi couldn't get away from Majeski. Majeski couldn't. He was on the outside. Uh, neither one of them cleared each other. They, but they were door to door. And Pollard sitting back there, two car lengths back, thinking, I know what's going to happen here because I know what usually happens with the one guy, right? Right. And finally, finally, Nassi cleared him. And Pollard got by Majeski. And I thought, man, maybe Majeski just wore his tires off. And then Majeski came back. When Pollard started messing with Nassie, 
and he sat two cars back because <laughs> he and everybody in the country knew it was about to happen. Yep. Yep. And it happened. They, those two drivers, Stephen Nassi and Bubba Pollard, cannot run one, two, and finish a race. No, they they Ever. they cannot. Ever. They cannot. Ever. <laughs> they cannot. And uh, well, it just opened the door perfectly, Rich. Uh, that little tango in turns one and two really put my way too early prediction right in play uh, from last week and. Um, I messaged you as soon as I saw that the checkered flag had fallen well before post-race tech had been cleared. And, um, I I'll take the dub on this one, Rich. <laughs> I, 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 I called it sooner, but I wish I could have you know, get a hold, got a hold of you. Yeah. As soon as Bubba Pollard passed time of Jeske, I said, time of Jeske's going to win this race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last week we talked and I said, I, th and not because Majeski was going to go back and drive around them. No, not at no. all. Not at all. No, you know, I just, I remember last week I said, I don't know what it is, but I think time of Jeske wins this thing. And I really think, cause of how, how poorly Majeski had been running in the last couple of weeks of the ASA stars season and other stuff that he had tried to do. Rich, I think battling for a truck series championship was really a distraction for him in the template car, which is fine, right? The truck series is, is his bread and butter right now. He needs to pay attention to that stuff. But there's got to be, you're not racing for a Stars Championship anymore. You're not racing for a NASCAR Championship anymore. There had to have been a sense of just go out there, have fun, try to win this race. I mean, that plays a lot into a driver when you can go out there and you're not worrying about anything else. Yeah, I mean, he had the chance, uh, you know, a week ago at the Bill Bigley Memorial, and, and he ran seventh. He wasn't slow. He wasn't junk. He, it, it surely wasn't like his last three performances on the ARC Stars National Tour, where he didn't finish either of those three races. Um, the only reason he won it is because he had such a good start to the season. Yeah. And, and, and won so many races. For sure. But that, that he had those points in his back pocket that he could give up. But, uh, yeah, I mean... We we were there. He he was he flew back from Phoenix and jumped in a race car at at, at Nashville, and didn't go well. You know, no, I not mean, at all. So, but I mean, yeah. So this was his first time where he didn't have any pressure. I mean, outside of last week, uh, just let's go and race. You know, and he had a good car all day. And remember, Majeski becomes the first repeat winner of this event in a while. Uh, we haven't seen a, a repeat winner in this event for. I forget the stat, six or seven seasons uh, it's been since we've seen somebody go back to victory lane again in the Snowball yeah, Derby. I think it was 2011, 2009 and 2011 or 2011, 2012, something back in there. Yeah, so it's been 10 sure. years. Yeah, for sure. While we're talking pavement racing, let's uh, turn this direction back toward the north, Rich. Uh, details announced today for Owasso Speedway and the Jake CRE All-Stars Tour Big O Classic 100. It'll return to Owasso in 2024. Saturday, May 25th is now the official tune-up for the August 3rd Masters of the Pros 185, that marquee $15,000 to win event. Big O Classic is no slouch on the calendar, though, Rich. $10,000 to win and $1,000 to start this season's Big O Classic at Owasso for the Jake CRE All-Stars Tour. And catch this. Drivers who run the Big O Classic in May will be eligible for an automatic $200 bonus at the Masters of the Pros 185. So instead of winning uh, $15,000, you could win fifteen two. 
if you run the Masters. And instead of earning uh, $1,200 to start at the Masters, you get $1,400 to start the Masters of the Pros. So pretty cool incentive from the Owasso staff and Rex we- or the uh, Owasso Speedway folks and Rex Wheeler uh, and the Jexiori All-Stars Tour. And speaking of Owasso, Rich, did you see the video that I saw today from Owasso Speedway? The pit road is not that far off, is it? We're going to have live-action pits uh, for this year's races at Owasso, which I think is just fantastic. Uh, the concrete was going down today, and that's pretty exciting. It was. You know, and I you kind of got to be careful with that. You never know around Michigan when, you know, how long you can, how late in the year you can start laying that stuff. Yeah. We had a foot of snow up there at Owasso two weeks ago. So, (laughs) but but it's, but then it gets warmer. So I don't think the ground's frozen yet. No, I agree. Yep. It's, it, it hasn't really been that cold for any length of time to freeze the ground. And, I'm not a cement guy. I don't lay cement, never have, but apparently it's still okay. Apparently it'll so. still work. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Owasso Speedway, those two dates for the Jags Tour, Saturday, May 25th, and, uh, of course, Saturday, August 3rd for the Masters of the Pros 185. And, by the way, Jags CRA All-Stars Tour full schedule, uh, tentatively set to come out this week as part of PRI. So take a look for that, as well as the Super Series, Late Model Sportsman, and Street Stop. Well, Rich, uh, our first interview tonight, as if you didn't see this on social media, was scheduled to be uh, the new American late model Ironman series. Uh, one of the directors, Chris Tilly, and uh, he messaged me and he, he straight up said, I just don't have time uh, to devote the 20 to 30 minutes that you guys normally do on your show with guests. Um, offered to give him a 15 minute slot, Rich, and he said, nope, I can't do anything more than five. And I said, well... This just ain't going to work tonight then uh, because we got a lot of late model drivers, a lot of late model fans in our area that are hoping to hear what's going on with uh, the only tour, Rich, the regional tour that's in our area, uh, and they couldn't make it happen. So we've been talking a lot about late models. It's that silly season time of year where we do talk about late models and their rules quite a bit. And so uh, we called this guy a little bit, not on his bluff necessarily, but he wanted to play a hand, and I said, okay, let's play it. Uh, makes his home in Hubbardson, Michigan. Garrett Wiles, driver of that number 16 machine. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing good, Garrett. And uh, I, I'm going to let the listeners in a little bit. We did this show last week when uh, Iron Man and ALMS announced their merger. And Rich and I were discussing where would these uh, cars run uh, should should they come back into the Michigan way. ALMS, of course, hasn't raced since 2019, so we have not seen a regional touring late model series in Michigan hold the uh, Dirt Car Summer National Hell Tour since 2019. And even then, I think it was one race at um, uh, at uh, the track up north there that I can't, it starts with a W, help me out. Not not uh, Winston at Winston Speedway, and uh, since then we have not seen a, a regional tour. And Garrett, you said, well, these tracks don't have to be UMP sanctioned to come and run a one-off race. And while we're talking about UMP sanctioning, uh, let's talk about UMP sanctioning, Garrett. And you and I had a nice discussion uh, via the text message chain there. And I wanted to take this opportunity, seeing as how we had a void in the show, to to bring you on because. I think you have such an interesting perspective, and you pointed this out in our conversation, on this silly season that we always end up in where we're talking about tires for dirt late models and what does it mean and what what are the pros and the cons. And um, You are right. You really don't have an argument either way. I, I guess 
in terms of the fact that you're willing to run both. You're one of the few who consistently runs both. So, uh, Gary, I guess, first of all, out of the horse's mouth, tell me what you heard from us last week that, that kind of sparked this want to have this discussion. Well, I just, um, yeah, it seemed like everybody was under the understanding that they had to be UMP to have um, to have those big races in the series come through, and and um, and and you don't have to. Um, I've seen other tracks do it, and and I'm actually not opposed to having. I mean, I would love to see my home track have a big race come in and and uh, compete against um, you know some of their drivers. So when we're talking about this and, and your home track, let's clarify, right, is a track that runs American racers. Where, where do you spend most of your time? Well, I mean, most of my races are at Crystal. We probably hit, um, I would say, 75% of their shows. Crystal's such a great example of this because they're a racetrack, Garrett, and, and you know this, that they were on the cusp of this discussion just about a year ago where they had a decision to make, what were they going to do? And they elected to stay with American racers and, and they have continued to support that staying on American racers. Why does it work so well for that racetrack? And, and what, what is it about the American racer tire that you guys are so uh, passionate about staying on that tire there at crystal? Well, crystal is kind of, um, an animal of its own breed. Um, it's very embedded. It's been there for so long with the same rules for so long. Um, but I also think that, you know, the American racer is also, you know, and nobody will argue this. It's, it's a, it's a budget friendly tire. Um, so naturally, you know, we've been grown accustomed to it. And, uh, and last year, uh, I know it was in the talks. Uh, Brian had come around and talked to us. And I know he pretty much went and talked to everybody that um, that raced there. I know he even talked to people that didn't race there. And, you know, I don't know what his numbers were or what the majority said, but I'm assuming um, it seemed to be a pretty easy call for Brian and, uh, you know, to go back to the American Racers. And, and we had another great year. Um, another year of high car, high car counts. <laughs> Honestly, some of the best racing I've seen, they put so much effort into the track. Um, you know, it was, it was great racing, great car counts, and um, we saved thousands of dollars by not being an American or not being a UMP track. Now, Garrett, I'm, I'm going to go back to last week a little bit because I love a good debate, okay? So just bear with me one second. So the reason Zach and I thought what UMP track is going to run ALMS if they come back is because we, we've spoken to a lot of the promoters from the tracks that are exclusively American racers and they want to take care of their own drivers. That's the whole point. You just explained that with crystal, right? In detail, they talk to you guys and they, you know, they're under the impression that they're not going to buy Hoosier racing tires. And so why would you bring a, if you want your guys to race at your track, why would you bring in a tour that runs Hoosiers that your guys that run every week are not going to race in. Well, I went around and talked to everybody and, uh, most people said they would be down to either buy tear offs or buy new tire. I mean, you, you pretty much, if you want to try to compete, you got to try to 
you're buying new tires anyway. Um, if you're trying to compete, um, if you're doing a one-off thing, most people would love to have the chance to do it one time or, or two or, you know, even three. Um, it's where it's the weekly having to buy the new tires, multiple tires every week, um, where that gets to be taxing. Um, but as far as like taking care of your own, well, I, I am kind of embedded with the, with both sides of it, the, you know, and nobody is opposed to having a big tour come in for a time or two. Um, even if it is American racer tech now, maybe there's a, I'm sure there's a couple that are opposed to it. And if you make it a non-track point night, I, I think you could make them happy by that. Why, why are these guys not, <clears throat> why are American racer drivers not doing the crossover like you do? I see more guys and maybe I'm following the wrong guys, but it seems to me like I see more guys who end up taking off the Hoosiers and putting on American racers every once in a while to go run at Crystal or mid-Michigan or Thunderbird more than I see those guys who are dedicated to running Thunderbird, mid-Michigan and Crystal dismount and put Hoosiers on for one-off events. I mean, if I'm, for instance, the American uh, late model Ironman series, I'm not looking at Crystal because I don't ever see them support UMP when they do race somewhere else. When the Summer National Hell Tour does come to to Michigan for three events, I'm not seeing, uh, and I'm not going to name any names, but you know, I'm not seeing guys who race at Crystal, Thunderbird, and and uh, Mid Michigan go to those events when they are in town. I don't see that support. I agree, Zach. Um, there there isn't a lot of crossover when when it comes to the guys on America, there's a lot of budget racers that are racing with the, with on the American racer tracks. And, um, so their rule set, our rule set just doesn't fit the top, the top guys in the American racers that, you know, what you would call the top guys, they, they will put on the Hoosiers and run it. And the, you know, what you would call the, the budget racers that are, you know, maybe racing for the top tens, the 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 summer nationals and the ALMS they're all on Hoosier tires. Well, they're not really going to go buy the tires. If they were on American racers, they would probably race it. But they're on the Hoosiers, so it's like, well, I'm not going to go out and buy the tires when I'm normally running for tenth, and it just doesn't really make sense. Um, but you don't really see much on the weekly side of that either. To be like counterpoint to that is you don't. Not very many guys will put on the Hoosiers to go up and race a Merit or a Tri-City on a rain-out night or something like that. Um, it just the 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 you get which a lot to more me which race. to me is silly because you do see it a lot the other way. If Merit and Tri-City rain out, how many guys are mounting up American racers and showing up at Crystal? Now, but that point that point might also play to my favor is it's cheaper to go buy a set of tires for American racers to, to, to buy somebody's you can go buy somebody's two week old tires for American racers and, and be competitive. I saw Rusty buy like four old tires off of uh Travis or some, or Logan some one weekend. And, and I think he damn near wanted to show a crystal like in just hard to do that on a UMP track. Okay. Um, uh, the, just the way that in, in this to get into the, the nitty gritty here with the way the tires are built. The, um, oh, go the ahead, way, Garrett. I thought the way that those um, the Hoosier tires are built. Yes, they do have their different compounds, which also lead to more tires you have to have in the trailer. But 
the way they're actually built, it's the the lug of the tire halfway up is like it's curved to it from the bottom. And then it goes up and straight to a point. And it's all about your edges. And, and this is all just me talking. I'm not, I could be way off base with this. And, and, but this is from my experience. And the American Racer, the lugs on those tires are literally square from the bottom of the thread to the top. So as you wear it down, as it gets 50%, you can grind it with your grinding wheel, excuse me, with your grinding wheel. And it still feels somewhat fresh. It still feels good. Um, a Hoosier, if you get that thing to 50%, it just feels smooth, rolly hills all the way. You, you don't you really get your edges back when you grind it. Um, and, and that's just from my experience dealing with them, um, running, running tires that I have a race on them or two races on them. And, uh, we, we went to merit this year and, uh, we started on the front row and I didn't have a new tire on me. Um, it was just a weekly show. So I didn't really, I had a tire that was a tear off from Chad Finley. Um, and I felt like it was a decent one and, uh, we got, we let every lap put pretty good gap on second. Uh, Two thirds around the race, it just felt like the car went away, and uh, we ended up finishing third and got back to the pits and looked and just didn't have enough tire. And talking with first and second, they both put a brand new one on. And I'm not saying that's the reason I lost, but it was, uh, you know, it was a learning lesson for me. That's for sure. Well, maybe Garrett, you know, I'm I'm listening to you, and maybe you're changing my mind a little bit. Maybe it's not. The tires, them. I mean, I, you just described the tires, but the difference is maybe it's not the tires themselves. When I go out, when, when Zach and I travel the state and, and we go to a UMP track, is it as simple as the bigger teams are running Hoosiers and the lower budget guys are running the American racers and that's the difference? mostly but that's not i mean i i race with um you know i race with logan nickerson damn near every week at crystal i mean he's he's a regular competitor of mine um and and he runs american racers now i think he would like to go to hoosiers if you gave him the option the the a, a fact is is if we uh, the hoosiers definitely help out the bigger money teams the how, how do they how, can, how, how are they helpful what do you mean by that because if you can put on more tires, the, 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 those, those Hoosiers from 100% to 90% are so good. And then from, say, 90% to 50%, they're all right. And then from 50 down, they're junk. I would say, and, and I would say with American Racer, from, from 100 to, say, 25 the fall off is very, very minimal. Um, and I mean, you can, I've seen Derek Hilker throw on old tires and, and, and drive around people on the outside. And I mean, uh, he drove around all of us at great lakes nationals, Hoosier guys <laughs> and, and myself. And, and, and I honestly don't even know if he had a new tire on the car. Um, um, and you just not, you are not going to do that with Hoosiers. I got to ask you, and, Go ahead, Rich. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, the guys that run Hoosiers, you go down any pit road and look in their trailers, they got four on the car and they got four or six more in the trailer. You know what I mean? And that I is, take, that's I not take, abnormal. 
And that is honestly only in case I get a flat. Um, we buy a new tire every other week. I would say it would probably be the average of it. Um, if we wanted, I, I'm, I want to be competitive. I want to run up front. If we switch to Hoosiers next year at Crystal, uh, that number is, is definitely going to go up if we want to try to run up front. And if that number doesn't go up front, I guarantee you our position finish goes backwards. And not that that's on the table at Crystal. Uh, they've made it pretty clear that they're going to run American Racers in 2024. I want to ask you about sustainability versus growth uh, in the state of Michigan. That's one thing that we got into very, very lightly in our text conversation is uh, you, you played a little devil's advocate and said, well, what if all of Michigan was on American Racer? And, and I said simply, we get no growth of late model racers in the state if we do that um, because we are then on an island. Uh, nobody to our south, nobody to our east, nobody to our west really for the most part is running American racers. Um, but I sit here and I listen to you and I think about it. Okay, if we run American racers and we're on an island and, and we do that, do we have sustainability uh, where we keep these, uh, let's call it roughly, 55 to 60 cars a week who are racing on American racer tires. Um, if, if it's me and, and I'm running this, uh, this division or I'm trying to keep this state in this sport afloat, I want growth. I don't want just sustainability because these drivers are going to retire. Uh, this, this group of customers is going to fade away. The demographic is going to change. Um, I would really be concerned that, about the, the continuation of this sport if you exile other drivers from outside of the state to be able to come in and race on a regular basis. Well, Zach, I, I think Michigan's kind of been on an island of its own for, I mean, forever. I mean, kind of. Um, other than Jeep, we don't really, and Jeep was never really a national driver. We don't really have national drivers. We don't have national teams. Um, we get some national races here and there, um, but for a uh, counterpart to your, we had a $30,000 to win race up in Merritt Speedway. Um, but the World of Outlaws were in, in Wisconsin, but like Lucas Oil wasn't racing. There was a lot of opportunities. It was like the second highest paying race in the United States. And uh, it drew, I think, like Ryan Unzicker. So when it comes to sustainability, I would argue that, 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 keeping more teams racing in, you know, just racing at our local tracks at keeping them racing in the state of Michigan, sustainability, American racer is no question sustainability when it comes to uh, keeping the low budget teams competitive with the higher budget teams and also keeping the cost down in a time where we're saying racing is getting more expensive, more expensive. And then you're saying, well, let's go to Hoosiers just so we're the same as everybody else. It's like, it does. I, I, it, then that 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 contradicts. Right, and, and so you you heard my point, and you went to the national scale drivers, and that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about when Oakshade and Attica and tracks in Ohio rain out, and tracks in Indiana rain out, and their weekly. We're using low budget and high budget, and I think that it's probably incorrect. I think you have low budget teams in our state that run American racers. I think you have medium budget teams. You mentioned Logan Nickerson, so we'll bring him back up. I would consider 
our high-caliber Michigan teams really to be medium-budget teams. They're not going on the World of Outlaws and Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Tour and, and running every week. Those are the high-budget teams. So for me, if I'm looking at the state of Michigan, I want, and if I'm a racetrack promoter, I want the option to have a weekly program, but also have the option where if somebody else rains out, that I can get the, and, and Rusty's doing a little bit more, but I think of Oakshade and I think of, you know, Schlank and I think of those guys, the 50 car and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Shy, or not Shied, but, uh, oh, I can see his car, but I can't think of his name right now. But those guys that run Oakshade and Attica and that, 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 Shields, thank you, Devin. Um, you know, I'm thinking about those guys where they have to go so far north to find a racetrack that runs the same tires that they already own that, yeah, they're never going to come to our state. Um, and, and you know, we're never going to see them race in our state because of that. And that, to me, is concerning about the future growth. That's what I, I bring up. Now, if there were more tracks in Indiana and Ohio, if somebody could say to me that, you know, there's X many race tracks and race car drivers that are also running American racers, Okay, great. Let's find a way to get them to come up here and support Crystal and Mid Michigan and Thunderbird. Um, you know, when when they have a rainout or something like that. So, yeah, I think on a national scale, you're right. We've always been an island, and that's sprint car racing, that's premier pavement racing, that's dirt late model racing. Michigan's just in a weird spot with the lakes and the and the way it cuts and the northern part of the country. Mm-hmm. But I just think about Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois. What can we do to help get those guys interested in coming up here when we do have big shows, right? Because there's only so many cars to go around. So even if Crystal wanted to have a $30,000 to win race on American Racers, what do we got to do to get those guys to come up here? Well, I, that's that's legitimate. And but and then where do you rank? Like, so do do we put do we put? getting a couple Ohio guys to come up here on their rainout days above our, all of our weekly racers, obviously no, but in that is a, a concern is for growth wise. Um, I, I don't have an answer to that one, Zach, as far as, you know, I, yeah, that, that does limit, you know, a guy from those lower States coming up. If the whole state is American racers, maybe they have a set lane around in case they go down south. Probably not. Um, is there any way, while we're talking about this, is there any way feasible that a Great Lakes Nationals type of format works throughout the whole season where come and run whatever tire you want? Or are Hoosiers just way too good in their new state yeah. for that to work? No, if it's uh, if it's an open tire race, it'll be... Uh, it'll be New Hoosiers will be on the winning car. 10-4. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's been, you know, it's something that we've talked about so much, Rich, because uh, there is that border, right? There's nobody running UMP rules south of uh, of Mount Pleasant, and, and th- that makes it really tough. And that's where I'm going with this. You know, we've already done, an, the, the promoters in the state have already done an excellent job of basically running UMP out of the modified division here in this state. Uh, we have one track that that runs them. Um, two, two. Hartf- and, Hart- Hartford and Butler. Hartford and Butler. Yep. yep. And, and I, I guess, um, I guess, do we want to? Do we really want to do the same thing with with late models? I don't know that that. Well, I, I, I think there should be a balance. I think there should be a balance, and I don't think we. I, I think we're going away from that, Garrett, a little bit, don't you? 
can we agree that the IMC modified class is much better than the UMP modified class? Well, like as far as racing. Oh, I would never say that. I would never say that. I would. I, I think it's different types of racing. True. True. Yeah, true. I think I think it is. I think it's comparing. I, I think that it's uh, not apples to oranges necessarily, but you know when you're talking about, it's kind of like on the pavement side, super late models and pro late models, and you're talking about crate cars versus supercars and the speed and the setup and the the drivers. I mean, the caliber drivers may be similar, um, but I, think I Zach, I have enjoyed watching an IMCA modified race just as much as I like watching a UMP modified race. You can see some I've seen good UMP yeah. modified races. I've yeah. Seen. Yeah. And especially in this state, right in the past and on, on a weekly basis. Um, so I don't think that's, I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's it at all. Do we put too much weight into a sanction? I mean, we're talking IMCA and UMP, but nobody's really getting a kickback from anybody. <laughs> I mean, if you win a, a national, you know, uh, title with the UMP sanction, you get like what? A, I, I mean, the Shermans were just honored. I saw their post on Facebook, and I think it's like a $1,200 check or something if you win the na- the, the regional points or the national points. I mean, there's no kickback from, from the sanction really to speak of with all the money you're putting in to run their sanction all year long. Um, IMCA, I don't know a whole lot about what their kickback program is, but remember IMCA does have a, a late model program as well. So I don't know. I just, I feel like I wish that that Michigan late model rule had something more that could be nationally recognized so that if Michigan's going to be on an Island, at least there's somebody else out there in the country that cares about what we're doing in Michigan. Well, all it all it is is a better or a, a more cost-effective tire. It's the same rules as it, literally the crystal, the American, whatever, if you want to call it, American late model rule, crystal, or excuse me, the Michigan late model rule is the UMP rule book minus the tires. Right, right. So, but what would I if guess UM, if UMPC came out with like. A t- like, cause right now, so right now, American Racer Tire is a hundred and eighty dollars, and uh, Hoosier is two hundred and thirty to two hundred fifty, two twenty to two forty, somewhere in there. And um, you know, if they came out with a with hey, no comp, you know, we're just going to do uh, what is the number three, and it's a hundred and eighty dollars. I would be the I would then switch to. I would be riding the purple mafia and you know, <laughs> these guys are the greatest. And yeah, you know, and- well, and, and here's the thing. I used to race and we were a low budget team in every division that we ever ran in. Uh, and when we ran late models, tires were nowhere as near as important as they are. Now we ran takeoffs that baked in the sun. We had twenties that were as hard as forties <laughs> and forties that were as hard as a rock. Um, and yeah, that's you get away with that with American racers somewhat like you can. I run tires. We pick through tires. Like I think that's from two years ago, and we won races with it. Um, you can still do that somewhat with American racers. And so my point is that I I was a low budget racer, and um, I low budget racers are important. People call them field fillers. People call them back markers. Whatever you want. Uh, low budget divisions sometimes are considered show fillers. Uh, whatever. Everybody is important to the survival of this sport, and so. I want low-budget racers to have a place to race, and I want uh, medium-caliber racers to have a place to race, and I just want track promoters to be able to put on a show and know that they're going to get race cars. And this division, 
like Rich said, the IMCA UMP modified thing was really putting a stress on promoters because you were either trying to run both divisions and getting, you know, 12 cars in each, or you picked a side and you got eight cars to show up one night and 30 cars to show up the next because somebody rained out. Um, and now, like Rich said, people have quit doing that division. They've bought into IMCA and everybody's getting 18 to 22 cars a night. Um, I just, I don't care. I just want us all to be, and this is from sprint cars, late models to street stocks and four bangers. I, I love it when racetracks come together and all run the same rules package so that everybody can go play somewhere anytime they want. And, and I really think that would lead to the success of Michigan racing goes back to the sustainability versus growth. Uh, maybe at this point we just need to sustain so that doors stay open and we can worry about growth in the future. Well put, well put. <laughs> yeah. Rich? And I, and, and I think the day, and on the other hand, Zach, I guess the day I think we can get 10 or 12 promoters in the same state to agree on anything, I'll hang up my microphone because I don't think that's ever going to happen. MSPA does a great job of getting people in, uh, in the same building with similar mindsets, but they all still don't agree with each other. Garrett, it's been fun <laughs> to talk, uh, talk tires, my man. Uh, American racers, like I was getting ready to say, from the budget racer standpoint, I'm with you. I will buy four American racers all day long for the price of two Hoosiers. Um, I just want us to see. I, just, I would like for them to find a level playing field where everybody can run the same tire, the same rules, and go race wherever the hell you want. Um, and then we just got to find a way to get those guys from the south when they rain out to keep four American racers in their trailer uh, so they can come up and play. If, if, if there's a guy from down south that needs a couple tires to come up and race, I'm sure we can get around some to come up to Crystal. If Rusty, um, if Rusty can do it, before, anybody can do uh, it. it. It's been done before, I think. I think Midler's been up here. Rusty's been up here. There's guys from Oakshade that come up to Crystal um, and, and race. Um, it can be done. All right. There you go. Garrett, uh, real quick here before we let you go, let's talk about that 16 car um, season for you, kind of hit or miss. And, uh, and I'm sure you're looking forward to what 2024 has got in store. You look at your stats on my race pass from the 2023 season, 19 events, 11 top five finishes. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, and uh, I guess the stat you can't see in there is um, I think we had seven DNFs. Um, if we finish, we finish in the top five. Damn near oh, my it. goodness, and they are all right in a row. DNS, May 27th, DNF the 24th, DNF the 1st, DNF the 3rd, DNF the 8th. <laughs> you had a stretch there where I think you were about ready to sell everything probably. It was uh, it was a frustrating year, Zach, knowing you got speed and just, I don't know. We we got a couple wins. <laughs> funny funny it is they were in the old car. They weren't in the good car. Um, we just couldn't put everything together What's, uh, for a whole night with the good just, car. Just to pick on you a bit, those DNS weren't seven American racer flats, were they? <laughs> 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 there might have been a couple in there. <laughs> and Garrett, what are what are, what are what are now? You said that we're going to see you at the dome coming up. You'll be fan mode next week uh, when we go to America Center. Uh, are you there with anybody, or are you just going as a fan? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, take my fiance Heather and uh, my crew chief and his wife, and uh, and my brother's going. And uh, yeah, we'll be down there. It'll be my second time going. Um, you gonna be hanging around with your gear bag, ready to rock? <laughs> no, no, no. I did get my new helmet this week, but no, I will not be taking it down there. All right, cool, man. Twenty twenty four. What's in store for you? You go back to Crystal or race around a little bit uh, and and see what's happening. 
Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to shake it up a little bit. Um, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, I would just say it looks a lot of the same. Crystal and follow around money and travel around a little bit here and there. But um, I, I'm interested in 96. Would see what they got going on. Um, could be there very regularly. Um, don't know yet. All right, man. Uh, well, I tell you what, I appreciate your feedback. Uh, the, 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 the fact that you listen to our show intently enough to send me a message and, uh, uh, not call us out, but, you know, give us that opinion and, and give us a reason to, to keep talking. That's what this sport needs. People need to talk about this sport. People need to talk about the differences and try to find a way, um, to keep cars going around in circles. So I appreciate like that. I, I encourage guys to, we are I not know. the smartest guys in the room. Absolutely. Right? We are not. We, I mean, we get opinions from other people and put it out there and see who agrees with it. Right. But, and maybe, yeah, we have our own, but that doesn't make us right at all. Yep. All. Yep. For sure. Opinion. As my dad always said, opinion, opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one and they're always full of something. Well, I'm sure I had a bunch of wrong opinions on tonight. But, uh... <laughs> uh, Garrett Wiles, 517. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, dude, hey, thanks so much for taking time, going out on that limb to, to talk about tires, man. It's a, it's, it's a hot-button topic, and it always is. It always will be. Uh, so we, we appreciate you taking time to chat with us. Well, I thank you guys for having me on and, uh, and let me uh, get my voice out there. Rich, we mentioned it earlier in the show as uh, we wrap things up here. Uh, PRI coming up this week, and and we had been having a lot of questions. High Limit Sprint Car Series, uh, or High Limit Racing, rather, has released their schedule. Um, some TBAs on there that we're really taking a look at. Right before Butler, there's a TBA for Friday night um, that we know is important to get filled. Who are the options? Where could they go? Gas City, Kokomo. You know, you got places in Ohio, Attica, Fremont. But I, we also understand that Ohio is kind of hexing high limit racing and not wanting to play ball. So uh, who knows? Wisconsin, Illinois might be up for grabs. So there's some TBAs on there. But otherwise, big money, big races, high limit racing. Uh, they're they're coming out swinging as we thought they would. Yeah, and I I, I love the idea of still having. My- what I like, uh, I like the mini series, the week, the midweek series. That's what I like to see. Uh, just because we're not able to watch the weekend stuff usually because we're off at our racetracks doing our thing. Um, and we're not able to do that. So, uh, I really get my racing fix as a fan into these midweek shows, the flow racing night in America with the late models, uh, the high limit racing during the week. That's what, that's what, that's where my fan mode comes in during the week where I can watch it. For sure. And uh, I'm glad they're still going to be doing that. Jake's tour schedule, as we mentioned, set to come out this week as well as part of PRI. And, uh, so some great things set to come up this week, uh, with, with it being PRI week and then next week, Rich, uh, not this time next week, but we'll be getting ready, packing our bags. And then Wednesday we're headed West, uh, to Missouri and uh, to uh, take up take up uh, heritage at America's Center for for a couple of days. Yeah, it, I, it's time to start doing laundry, right? Oh, it's absolutely! Getting it's getting it's that close. close. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you got clean underwear and socks because uh, it's going to be a long time out there. So, uh, and bring bring some bring some extras too. Those emergency because you never know what kind of trouble we're going to get into. Yeah, well, well, that's true. the only thing I don't know, which we. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't ask Cody this when we had him on the show. Left. Is it warm in that building or is it cold in the building? Man, I don't know. Some of the people in the stands looked like they were bundled up. So 
remember they have to have those roll-up doors open to get the cars in and out of uh, of the, the pit area. So I don't know. I think it might I've be. never. I'm I'm a gateway rookie. I'm gonna find out the hard. No, I'm yeah, gonna bring I'll, I'll bring some hoodies for the week. Yeah, we're gonna bring layers. That's yeah. for sure. Well, hey, uh, that's gonna do it for tonight's show. Thank you so much to the guests who made time to join us. And, uh, you know, for, of course, those of you who tuned in and listened back throughout the week or any time that you did, uh, for Rich France, Scott Miller, Pays the Bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.